Moses had an encounter at the burning bush. Peter had an encounter on the bank of the, uh, of the Sea of Galilee. Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus. Zacchaeus had an encounter in a tree. And the woman at the well had an encounter at the well with Jesus. What am I saying to you? There are historical moments in our lives when it comes to our meeting with Christ. And you cannot come into contact with the Holy God and ever be the same. Amen? You'll never be the same. We just came through our retreat and none of us can say that we are the same. We're different because God met us here in that meeting. And God led me here tonight to preach about Moses and the encounter at the burning bush for this purpose to stir our hearts, to give us hope, and to give us direction and teach us what to do from here forth. Now, if you understand the word, you know God meets us to discover him who is the I am. What do we learn from this encounter? God always wants to meet us so that uh, to discover him who is the I am. That was one of the reasons. The second reason was to see if Moses would turn aside and see if you and I will turn aside to see this great sight. Because not everybody that's touched by God turns aside to take it to the next level amen but God's looking for people that are willing to turn aside and go and discover what God wants to say and do the third thing is to change the trajectory of a person's life God longs to change the direction of our life if you haven't changed directions in your life you haven't been born again but if you get born again your life will change direction amen the fourth thing is that God wants to reveal unto us something greater than where we are at. Amen? I don't think there is a greater practical Old Testament example of someone making a difference in a life greater than Moses being God's vessel of deliverance for Israel. I don't think there's a greater example. I don't think there's a greater example of God furthering the kingdom of God through a man who was obedient to the voice of God. What did the burning bush reveal to Moses? Well, the fire and the bush are emblems of something. Some say it was the children of Israel in the fire of affliction, but not being destroyed or consumed. Okay, I agree. I think that's a very great summation. You know, and uh, I agree. Chapter twenty, uh, chapter chapter two, verses twenty-three through twenty-five, shouts of God's grace upon a people in their oppression. We read about it here. Actually, we didn't read chapter two, verse twenty-three, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, "And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage, and." And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Let me say to you tonight, unless God allows us to feel the weight of a life without him, we would never turn unto him. Amen? Unless you feel the weight, the weight of a life without God, you'll never turn to God. Thank 
God for conviction of the Holy Ghost and the knowledge of the emptiness of sin and darkness or wouldn't any of us be in this house tonight living for God. But he showed you the life that you're living is a dead end. It's not going to produce anything but without God you are lost. But with God you have everything. And that's something that we must learn from this message or this scripture of God at the burning bush. Some say the burning bush represents the child of God on fire with the revelation of the Holy Ghost upon them and in them, but not destroying them. All right, I'll give you that. Hallelujah. I'll give you that. You know, I agree. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Not only did Moses learn something about that fire and that bush that didn't burn and what it meant, he learned something. He learned a lot of things. But not only did he learn about the holiness of God, but he got a revelation from God. This bush is like you, Moses. It's frail. It's thorny. It's unfruitful. It's a bush that is weak and it has nothing to offer. But whenever you see the fire of the Holy Ghost come upon you that which is weak will become strong hallelujah that which is weak will become strong so he got such a revelation if God had spoke through an oak tree or a tall cedar Lebanon or a strong majestic tree then then Moses might have gotten the wrong idea maybe there's something that I can add to this equation maybe I can help God out you know I've got some strength I've got some stability I've got some talent, I've got some cloud, I've got some learning, I've got some knowledge, but God said, I want you to know that you are as frail as that thorn bush there. You've already tried to fight this war on your own and it was disastrous. So you need to go my way. And he was saying, you are nothing but a thorny branch, but me possessing you, you can become something awesome for the kingdom of God. He had to learn, I'm nothing in myself, I'm just a bush, but can do all things through the I am. Peter had to learn that just a, a day or two before, a day before, uh, however long before Jesus was taken and crucified. He said, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. He didn't realize what was in him. You and I don't have the power to even stand up for God except God give us that faith and give us that grace and give us the Holy Ghost within us that represents Christ because the only thing that can speak for Christ is what is Christ in you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why i got to stay full of the Holy Ghost because if I don't stay full of the Holy Ghost, I come out. You don't want to see me. You don't want to hear me. Amen. But if I'm full of God, I can tell you, full of the Holy Ghost, that's what comes out. In myself, I can do nothing. So the greatest testimony of Christ in you is he takes and he uses the foolish and weak things and empowers them only so that God can get the glory. You know, I was reading in a commentary about a very, very famous violinist. 
He had to be been Italian because his name was Paganini. Amen. I believe he was. But he went out and he started to play in a huge, huge auditorium. He was one of the most prominent. And this had to have been 100, 150 years ago or whatever, but a long time ago. But here he is playing out on this great stage. And he broke a string off of his violin by accident. Rather than stop, what he did was he plucked another string and broke it. And he plucked another string and broke it. As far as I know, violins only have four strings. Amen. I'm not a violinist. I've tried it. It's hard. So I just stick to the guitar. But that, that, that well-known, polished, you know, musician, violinist, concert violinist gets up there and he plucks the other two strings off and he had one string left. And he stood there and he played that violin and he played the most beautiful song with one string. What am I trying to say to you? At the end of that concert, he played for 18 minutes. He played this most beautiful song, one string. And at the end of that, he said, he said, one string. Paganini played with one string. What he was saying is, how much we can do if we have so much more. We think we have so much more. But when all we have is God, when all we have is God, he will begin to empower what you are, who you are, with just one string. Amen. You say, I'm telling you, I feel like I'm threadbearing. I feel like I'm third string. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. God wants you to know today, you can't do anything except the I am fills you with his fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost is there for a reason. He said, God, he said, John said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but there's coming one whose shoes I can't even unlatch. He said, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Why do we need the fire? Because the fire of the Holy Ghost will burn up the evil and purify the good. It's not enough just to burn up the evil. He's got to purify what you think is good in your life. And there's some good things. There's nothing wrong with talent. But God has to let the fire. You have to let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn through that talent. So that it's not you on display, but Him on display. Are you hearing me? Amen. Amen. That's why we need the Holy Ghost fire. Some say this burning bush didn't represent Israel. It didn't represent Moses. But this is what I feel like it represented. It represented an emblem of a type of Christ. I agree. I believe all three of those analogies or representations are valid. And they qualify. I agree that it represents a type and an emblem of Christ. Because God in Christ Jesus came meek and lowly, and clothed in humanity. But he was majestic, even though, amen, he was meek. 
He was a man, yet he was deity. It's the greatest mystery known to man why a thrice holy God would step out of glory and come down here to take on the nature of a human and you know lay aside all of his glory to come down here. But he came because he loved us. He came because we need to know that it's God working through us that will do anything. He said, you shall do exceedingly abundantly above all you're able to think or even ask according to the power that works within you it's not your power but it's his power amen just remember that you're just a bush you're just a branch amen we're just a vessel he's the contents come on now but some say it's Christ yeah he could not be destroyed he could not be consumed the grave couldn't hold him come on now the grave couldn't hold him Praise God. I'm so grateful he's not in a manger. I'm so grateful he's not on a cross. I'm so grateful he's not in the grave. I'm so grateful today that he rose from the grave because the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him down. Nothing could hold him down. But he rose from that uh, that tomb. Amen. I've been there to Jerusalem and he's not there. Let me tell you, he's not there. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him down. You cannot destroy that which is eternal. But he rose and he's seated at the right hand of the Father expecting to you and I put the devil under our feet. That's Bible. My God. My God. I believe they're all valid representations but the greatest is Christ in that burning bush. Jesus said, I am. Who, who do I tell them sent, sent me? Who are you? I am, I am, my God, that's enough right there. Thank God he's not who, who he was or who, who he's going to be, but he's the I am. Amen, I don't need the God of yesterday, I do need the God of yesteryear, but I, I can't depend upon what somebody else knew about God. I've got to know God right here in the present. He's the I am. He's everything that I need. He's my I am. Hallelujah. Oh, some say, amen. Oh, I'm excited tonight. I believe they're valid representations, but the greatest, the greatest is Christ in that burning bush. Jesus said, I am. I am the bread. These are all things that Jesus put I am before he said in the New Testament. And not just I am in the Old Testament with really nothing beyond it, but just I am. He's all you need. Hallelujah. But he said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am that. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the vine. He is everything. The I am. Oh my. The great truth in this passage is the revelation of the great I am. What do we learn from the burning bush? We serve the great I am. You got to know him. You can't know about him. Hallelujah. you got to know him. Hallelujah. When Moses went to Pharaoh, he didn't speak about God. He spoke for him. Yeah. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Come on. That's why he said, 
Cast them out. Cast them out. Speak to the mountain. Speak in Jesus' name. When you're speaking in Jesus' name, you're saying, I know I can say what I'm saying and God's going to back it up. Come on now. I am. Said, let my people go. How do you know? Because Pharaoh had to let his people go. Hallelujah. He had to put a little WD-40 on it. Now it took 10 times of squirting, but finally he cut loose and he let God's people go. I am. I am. That's the greatest revelation. The same fiery judgment that destroyed Egypt and Pharaoh's army because we're talking about the bush on fire. What did the bush represent? What does the fire represent? I can tell you, the same Jesus, I was talking to somebody about this today, the same Jesus, amen, that will love you and save you is the one that died on the cross that whenever you reject that salvation and sacrifice, that same cross will damn what has not received its salvation and redemption. Oh, everybody got quiet now. Let me just tell you right now tonight, church, not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. Amen. God wants everybody to go to heaven. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all come to repentance. He wills and desires everybody to go to heaven, but not everybody wants to serve God. Hallelujah. And so you, you just have to know tonight that there's a fire that comes upon you that is God. And there's a fire of judgment that is God. Same God, just a different, you know, outlet or administration of what he's going to do. Because the same God that responded by fire to the sacrifice on Mount Carmel is the same God that sent fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. So you can have the fire without God or the fire with God. Woo. That's just the Holy Ghost. That ain't even in my notes. So the fiery, the same fiery judgment that destroyed Egypt and Pharaoh's army was the almighty power that was for Moses and the children of Israel. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? And the same fire, the pillar of fire that led them, it went before them. But when they got to the Red Sea, it went behind them. Woo! He said, I'm before you, I'm behind you, I'm above you, I'm beneath you. I'm the God that's a ring of fire around you. He's the same fire. Come on now. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. He will be in the fire with you. And you won't burn and you won't smell like smoke. When they were putting those Hebrew boys into the fiery furnace, he was the fourth man in the fire. Hallelujah. He was the fourth man in the fire. And they came out. And what I found was so awesome is that fire, you know, burnt off, I guess, the ropes that were on them, but it didn't burn their skin. It didn't burn their clothes. That fire, amen, will burn everything, amen, that binds you up, but it will not destroy you because God's trying to make you not destroy you. They didn't even smell like smoke. I had a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, he said to me the other day, he said, I want you to pray for me. I'm going into a situation. And as I was praying for him, 
I called him back up. And I said, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. And I said, God spoke to me that you're going to come through on the other side of that situation and you're not even going to smell like smoke. (laughs) In other words... That problem, that situation, you know, because a lot of times you go through things and people want to blame you for it and it wasn't even your fault. I said, but you're not going to come through with anybody accusing you of wrongdoing. You're going to come through smelling like Jesus. Amen. So he will be in the fire with you and you won't burn and you won't smell like smoke. He'll be the God that answers by fire showing you he's on your side. Did you hear me? Y'all know your Bible, right? Remember old Elijah? Elijah. He said, the God that answers by fire is God. Then prophets of Baal, they, they put their altar up. And all of them, there's, there's 400 prophets of Baal, 400 witches. Amen. You know, people say good witchcraft, good witchcraft, bad witchcraft. It's all witchcraft and it's all di- diabolical and it's all the devil. Horoscopes are, zodiac signs are, tarot cards are, uh, uh, you know, those stupid crystals are. Amen. Everything that's not Jesus is diabolical. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Even a spirit of rebellion is witchcraft. Come on now. Oh, hallelujah. My God, my God. So he said, the God that answers by fire is the God who is God. So all day long, they're over there. They're scraping their skin. They're shouting. They're screaming. They're cutting themselves on Mount Carmel. And Elijah's sitting over there. He knew who God was. He knew the I am. He knew he's going to show up, amen, and show out. And he began to say, keep on. Where's your God at? Where's the God of Baal at? Is he in the bathroom, you know, doing a, you know what? Or what's, that's exactly what. What it was. Where's he at? Is he sleeping? Where's he at? Is he on vacation? No, he never showed up. But the God that answered by fire, he began to show up. He's the I am. So when you're going through something, say, Lord, answer by fire. And remember this if you ain't right, that fire might touch you. Be careful. If you, can, if you want to say God answered by fire, you better make sure that you're right. God answered by fire simply means I'm showing you what is truth, what is just, what, 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 what my approval and my side is. Well, God doesn't have a side. Yes, he does. It's called the Lord's side. Joshua said, as for me and my, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Whose side are you on? Some of you are going through things and you're dealing with people that are on the other side. See, y'all used to be together, used to mix and mingle together. You blurred the lines. It was gray, but God's saying black and white. You as a Christian can't do the things you used to do. Hallelujah. You start blending with them, they're going to start thinking you don't have nothing in God, but if you stay on the right side. Who's on the Lord's side? Come on now. He is the God. We're talking about the the God that's speaking out of that burning bush. He is the God who is super to the natural, that is greater than even his own creation. 
and anything qualifies there. His creation may be broken down, but he can speak to that creation and it can be healed in the name of Jesus. Are you hearing me? You can be bound by something and he can speak to that creation and it begins to do what it's supposed to do. Come on, where there's an arm that's withered away and you say, here I am, a crippled, I lost my grip. Amen. God said, stretch forth your hand. The I am said, stretch forth your hand and the hand grew. He got his grip back. Some people don't got a grip, but they need to get one. Get a grip can't do it without the I am. Oh, are y'all with me? I know you are. You know, I even read in Joshua 13, 14 and Deuteronomy 18, 1 that the Levites' inheritance is the sacrifice made by fire. Oh, that I am would be our portion and our inheritance that which alone can satisfy and complete. See, some people want God to be the I give. <laughs> he's not the I give, he's the I am. But some people treat him like he's the I give. That's all they want is, God, give me what I want. Give me that boyfriend. Give me that girlfriend. Give me that marriage. Give me that job. You better give me what I want, God, or you know what? I'm not going to pray no more. I'm not going to serve you. There have been people, the moment that God didn't do what they wanted, what they wanted him to do, they split the door. Guess what? The I am was never their God. But when he's your God, whether he gives or he takes away, he's still the I am. I was at a buffet one time. I had just come out to California. I was here about maybe two months, and we went to Sizzler one morning. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in that buffet, and I'm making my salad, and this lady's beside me. And I, I, I said, hi, ma'am. I said, I don't want to get in your way. I don't want to, you know. And I said, there were just a bunch of church folks here. I said, I'm sorry. You know, we get hungry, and we just... She looked at me. She said, what church? I said, Evangel Temple. She goes, I know exactly where you go. I stopped my salad bar. She said, your dad prayed over my son, and he never got healed. So I left. I thought you'd have left if God would have healed him. Because the next time he didn't do what you wanted, you'd have left. He's not the I give. He will give to you. He will meet your need. But I'm going to tell you, he is not Santa Claus. He is not your genie in a bottle that you rub. And you say, oh, you know God's going to do what I, I got three wishes. No, you don't. You and I aren't, we don't deserve anything but hell. But for the grace of God that sin is only begotten some that die on the cross to redeem us. We stand here today and with people around us that can stand to be around us. Come on now. Amen. Praise God. I've said it for years. I saw that bumper sticker that said Jesus may love you, but everybody else thinks you're a jerk. He's not the I give. He said I am. Because sometimes we pray in the will of God and God answers our prayer. And sometimes he says no. 
Sometimes he says, wait. You know, somebody said, why does God let people die? I said, how are they ever going to go to heaven? He has to. It's unfortunate. We grieve over it. But that's why we that are believers have a hope. The hope is that we're going to arrive on streets of gold one day where the walls are jasper, the streets are gold, and there's a crystal river, and where the sun is the light. Where there's no more tears and no more pain and no more suffering. Thank God. Precious in the sight and the eyes of the Lord is the passing of his saints because what he's saying is they lived and fought a good fight. They kept the faith. They finished their course and laid up for them is a crown of righteousness and everyone who loves his appearing. We wouldn't make heaven our home if we didn't pass from this life to the next. But some people say, why didn't God let them live? I said about somebody one time, I said, God, why did you take them? We loved them. He said, I loved them more than you did. I said, yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord. Oh, my. That God would be our satisfaction. And our completeness. That's what's so awesome about this burning bush encounter. God spoke out of that fire and he told Moses, tell them, I am sent you. He said, I am that I am. He didn't say I was the God. He said, I am. Read it in your own time. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Just want to let you know. You're holding on to Abraham, and that's all right. That's a covenant, uh, you know, that God made with Abraham. And you're a product of that, Mr. Jew or Hebrew. But you've got to know this much, that the I am that gave him the covenant promise is standing here in front of you. They said, he's a blasphemer. No. He's God. He's the I am. One truth I want to teach and come to a conclusion is this. I'm telling you, that's a miracle. The I am will help you get it done in 30 minutes. One truth I want to teach and come to a conclusion in this message is this. Moses was learning so many things. But one was that he was about to confront the leader of a world power. The most dominant world power according to history. The staff turning to a serpent was symbolic of great authority. God was saying to him, you know Moses, you're a shepherd. you got a staff in your hand. Amen. You've been shepherd and sheep, but get ready. I'm getting ready to send you down to Pharaoh and you're going to shepherd those people right out of that place. got a higher call. It's higher than, Pastor, where am I going to work? Well, you need to have a job. Amen. And you need to pay your tithe when you get that job. Amen. And the I am will give you the power to do that. Because if you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. And they're not grievous. You won't be holding on to your wallet. Hallelujah. 
it ain't that much anyway. Amen. You know, people make a few hundred dollars a week. I said, it's only 20 or $30. I said, just don't go to Starbucks. You'll be fine. Oh, pastor. I pay my tithe. I'm not even going to tell you what I give. I pay my tithe. Amen. Hallelujah. That's all I'm going to say. I'm faithful. I'm faithful in my giving. Praise God. And God's faithful to me. He always proves himself. But he said, Moses, he said, you got a staff in your hand. You've been shepherding these sheep for 40 years. And you thought you were somebody till you went to that sheepfold. And now you're, you're nothing but Jethro's son-in-law. And that's all right. For 40 years I have brought you to a place of humility where now I can use you. I couldn't use you 40 years ago, but I can use you now. Amen. Some people need to learn humility and they need to drop the pride and just let God do something in their life. He never said, don't you know I used to be the previous prince of Egypt? Don't you know I was the grandson of Pharaoh? And maybe adopted, but I was the grandson. And, and, and there's even scripture, and I'm not even going to get into it, but that he fought against the Ethiopian army in Acts chapter 7. And, and we read about the exploits that Moses did. Some people say he was never a man of war. Oh, yeah, he learned everything. He did everything. They were, in essence, I read in commentary, scared of him. Because he was so great, Pharaoh wouldn't have wanted to put him to death. When you're the highest person in office in the land, that, 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 that's nothing. You get a pass. We've seen that in our own country. People in politics can get away with anything. You know, we can't, but they can. And I'm not mentioning names. I'm just saying it happens. It ain't right. But nonetheless, you know, he said, you were a shepherd. you got a staff in your hand. Now throw that thing down on the ground. He threw it down on the ground. It became a serpent. Moses fled. When I see a snake, I don't care if it's a rubber snake, I run. Can't stand them. Go by the aisle when we were kids, I think, my goodness, why in the world would anybody want to buy that decrepit thing? But he threw that down. It became a serpent. He said, now go over and pick him up by the tail. He went right over there and he picked him up by the tail. Boom, it became a staff in his hand again, a shepherd's staff. And he said, what you're going to do is you're going to shepherd those people and lead them out by, as a deliverer. They're going to follow your lead because God's sheep follow their shepherd. He said, but you, what you got to know is in that call of being a shepherd, I'm going to empower you and you're going to deal with devils. <laughs> you're going to deal with devils, but you got to know that you're going to take him up by the tail. Amen. You're going to pick him up by the tail. Oh, Pharaoh's going to saber rattle. And he's going to make threats. And he's going to defy God, he thinks. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to drown him, amen, in that Red Sea as we heard. Come on now. And let me share something else with you. The very thing that Pharaoh did by, by drowning the male children in the Nile, God said he reaped what he sowed. That's why you need to study the word. <laughs> he said, I am that I am. He confronted a world power. A staff turned into a serpent, symbolic of great authority over the demonic. 
you are going to confront evil personified in Pharaoh was a tool of Satan. But I'm giving you the power and I will deliver you and my people. We do not need the I am just once. Maybe an initial encounter is what we have as a historical landmark in our life, spiritual. Everybody remembers that encounter. I remember when I got saved. I remember down through my life, I can count probably 10 or 15 different times. When God met me, I remember. I remember. I remember in the garage when he told me, get up and start walking. And I walked, and he said, turn right. I turned right. He said, stop. It's right there in front of that chiropractic sign on Euclid and First Street. And he said, you are going to start a church. And I said, where, Lord? He said, right there. And he said, do not say anything to anybody, including your wife, until I tell you and I release you to say it. And when he released me, I said it. And it was perfect timing. God knew. And my wife, the next day, she came and said, I'm in line with you. Let's do this. Let's do it. It's a perfect time. The trajectory of our life was changing. Come on now. But getting back to this so I can close. We have an initial encounter. I've had many of them. You've had many of them. Sitting there watching every one of these people in this baptismal trough up here on the video. I stirred your pastor. I sat there and wept. I thought, God, you're so powerful. You're so mighty. But God doesn't want us to live in just that initial encounter. But we need to walk in that power and in the purpose of the I am. It is a misconception or misunderstanding that a revelation of Christ or even being born again means that I'm free from conflict. God never, you know, people think my problems are going to disappear. I'm in a Christian rose garden. No, what happened is the devil has been drawn out in front of you and you see and know him for what he is. Amen. People think my problems will disappear and life in Christ is a rose garden. You know, you have the honeymoon stage when you first get saved. Some people said it was about a week. I'm telling you, I was serving God, everything's, it just, but things began to, I had family members that got angry with me because they got saved. Couldn't think of anything else. I got saved. And there was a light coming into that house, light coming into my friend's life. And I didn't have to get rid of them, they got rid of me. They dropped me like a bad habit. <laughs> I said, I'm serving God. Everybody lost my phone number. You know, <laughs> you know it's bad when you used to buy and they don't want to be around you anymore. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Let me be clear. Being in Christ has its eternal blessings. Light, love, peace, grace, joy, and eternal life. It's wonderful to have joy. It's wonderful to have peace. It's wonderful to have the light of God and His grace and His love. It's won wonderful to come to church and you feel so great. But you know, tomorrow you're going to go into a demon-possessed world. 
You're going to go on the job and somebody that, that the devil riled up is going to lash out at you. Your spouse is going to come and tell you, I don't love you no more. Not mine. She loves me and I love her. But I've had people say, I got saved and went home. They said, I don't want that. I don't want to serve God. Come on. People come up and say, you've changed. Yeah, I have. Thank God. Because the old person wasn't nothing to be around. Come on now. Let me be clear. Life has its eternal blessings. It has the possibility of the supernatural. Light, love, peace, grace, joy, eternal life. You know, just having peace alone is something that the world doesn't have, so you've got something they don't have. That they would love to have, but you can't have it without Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. But that burning bush is not your end, but your beginning. Hear me. That burning bush was not for Moses to grab a marshmallow and get around that thing and say, let's all sing Kumbaya. Let's just sit here and just enjoy the presence of the... It's wonderful to be in the presence of God. But guess what? That bush quit being on fire and it turned into just a regular bramble bush and the fire was gone and the voice stopped and God said now you've got to take what I've done and showed you and spoke to you and live in it you can't live in a perpetual retreat now you can be in revival on your own and in your but you're going to be confronted with things that's why it's so awesome everybody gets off work we want to go to retreat praise the lord that's what it's for to build you up to encourage you but guess what christmas comes once a year thanksgiving comes once a year and then the next week you're going man 364 days until we see it again i'm just giving you an analogy but you got to pull up to the table. You got to go back to your job. You got to go up Monday morning, six o'clock, and get in that car and go to work. You got to be confronted with the things that are there before you. You got to take that fire everywhere you go. That's why he was saying, I'm changing the trajectory of your life. I'm telling you what to do, I'm showing you. You're just going to live your life and you're going to go everywhere you go and everywhere you put your foot. I'm going to tell you there's going to be devils going to be riled up and there's going to be people that are going to say, I want what you've got. Not every one of those priests went into Pharaoh. Just those that were of Levi, I believe Reuben, and there's one more. I can't think of it, but don't correct me. It's there. There's only three tribes, but Levi. Levi, because Moses was a Levite. His father was a Levite. And uh, so he was of that tribe. Not everybody went before Pharaoh. But I can tell you, there was a handful of people that went. Those judges and those leaders. I'm moving on here. But that burning bush is not your end, but your beginning. And you don't camp out at the burning bush. That burning bush encounter is to prepare you, to give you faith and vision for what is ahead. He is the author and the finisher, but there is an in-between called life. And we're in this life in a fallen, dark world. John said, in, uh, Jesus said rather in John 16, in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Moses had a Pharaoh to deal with, but then a Red Sea, and then an army driven by a scorned despot, which was Pharaoh. But the army was drowned, Pastor. We learned that, yes, and praise God, we shouted. Just like Jared said, there's a time to shout and praise God. You got the tambourine in your hand, but guess 
guess what? Now you're going to confront the wilderness. Now you're going to confront the bitter waters. Now you're going to confront manna. That's all we get to eat is manna. You're going to confront the Jordan River. You're going to confront the Jebusites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and all the otherites. It's not just lay down. I'm a Christian now. Everything's going to be rosy. No. I showed you my power. I showed you there's an enemy. Now go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. God used that man of God so powerfully. Amen. You don't realize the power that you and I have. You don't. We can come before the throne of grace and watch God move. Well, Haman didn't realize the power that Hadessa had, Esther had. She prevailed with God. Because God loves his people. He loves you. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. But God has prepared for those that love him. See, until we make heaven our home, we're going to deal with an enemy called Satan. And sometimes it's external battles, marriages, lost rebellious kids, a job dynamic. Sometimes it's our internal, our own self and flesh with emotions that we battle. Jealousies, unforgivenesses. Bitternesses, insecurities, inferiorities, egos, pride. We have internal things. We have external things. And sometimes you're fighting both. And even when you think, I'm telling you I'm good, I'm pure, God says something will rise up. Man, something will rise up. <laughs> Don't let the devil interpret God's words because he is a master deceiver don't let the devil do that he is not as I said the great I give but he's the great you are or the great you are but the great I am some people think he's the great I give some people think he's the great I you are but he's the great I am Moses asked God his name, and he said, I am. Psalms 103, I'm closing. He said, he made known his ways unto Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. His ways are his character, his plans, his righteousness, his heart. Yet in Romans 11:33, the Bible says that God's ways are past finding out by man, except God makes them known by revelation. Oh, that we would move past only knowing and desiring what God can do and learn, I mean live to learn, yea, pursue with fervency to know our God. The Apostle Paul knew him, but if anybody knew him, he knew him. But he said, I want to know him. Amen. You know, this just hit me. We always have to stay at that place where that relationship is fresh. It's fresh. Husbands and wives, if you don't keep that relationship fresh, it'll grow stale. Then the next thing you know, there'll be distance. 
Then there'll be coldness and resentment. And before you know it, you're like, what happened to us? That's why it has to stay fresh. Your relationship with God has to stay fresh. Remember that. Anything that you love and that you, that, that, that anything that you love, you're going to invest in. And it has to be fresh. Just remember that, Lord, I just want to keep my, my relationship with you fresh. And he says, I'll meet you in your prayer time and I will pour out fresh oil from my throne upon you. I will anoint your head with fresh oil. I've been there. Oh, he anointed me this week. Proverbs 18, 17 says, I love those that love me. And those who seek me early, diligently, shall find me. Bible says in Psalms 25, one of my favorite scriptures, and I close with this, I promise, and we're going to pray. Psalms 25. This is what God says in verse 12. He said, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he, God, teach in the way that he shall choose. What's your choice? What is your choice? Because this is all about your choice. God's already made his. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I sent my only begotten son. People say, what's God going to do for me? I said, nothing more than he's already done. And what he's done is enough. Why is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost an unforgivable sin? Because the moment that you begin to stomp on the very last ditch effort God makes to get a hold of a person by his Holy Ghost, what more is there left to do? We had a, my Sunday school teacher at church one time. Her husband left her. And I was a young Christian. I didn't understand. And I said, sis, I said, you can't let him go. You can't, you gotta, you, you can't. I just, the, the thought of divorce of somebody in church being a Christian, I just couldn't register that. She goes, Jonathan, listen to me. The man doesn't want me. What can I do? When people say, God, I don't want you, his spirit will not strive with man always. And the worst thing that could ever happen is that God says, okay, I'm here if you ever come back. God doesn't send anybody to hell. They go there on their own. But he said, those that choose, choose, that he shall choose. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. That's the person that fears the Lord. Don't look at somebody's family and go, why are their kids this, or why are they this? Why, are they, why does it seem like they, their life's a fairy tale? You don't know the life they live. You don't know the commitment to God that they have. You know, I'm just going to tell you that there is a response and a blessing and an outpouring of God upon people that live for God. Don't look and scratch your head. There's a reason for that. Amen. But he says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. God told Moses, this is my covenant I'm going to go down there after 430-something years. 
and I'm going to deliver my people, and I'm using you. Go tell them. Church, God is calling us from a burning bush, and he's saying, take this encounter and this experience because it's not your end. It's your beginning, and he meets us again and again. But you know why the the Lord meets us as Christians? Because he's trying to get us down the road a little bit further. Stir us up and get us prepared for something else. That's why. Not so we can just say, oh, I felt so blessed. Well, praise God. I'm glad you're blessed. What about the people that need the blessing? What about them? He, He spoke to him for a reason. Not just for, as David Owens says, Holy Ghost doodads. Come on. Where are you at today? God talking to you. Let's take what God did in this retreat and run with it. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord, I just thank you tonight. And I know there's people, Lord, that want to pray. You've already told me. Don't make a disclaimer. If somebody wants to leave, that's that's their decision. But if there's somebody here, we must have an altar call in case they want to come to Christ. Father, tonight I pray that you will draw by your Spirit each and every person in this house. We give you the glory and the honor. Church, you're here tonight. God's anointing was here, is here, and He wants to minister to you. And if this word spoke to you, then come. Let God minister to you in this altar. Maybe you're saying, I don't know where to go, Pastor. I don't know what God's doing in my life. He'll talk to you. He'll show you. He'll lead you. God doesn't touch our lives and then abandon us and leave us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I will be with you and I will. His spirit, he said, will guide you and lead you and guide you into all paths of truth. But you got to you got to seek Him, and He'll talk to you. He will talk to you.